right, well, welcome everybody to the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. Um, we're doing something a little bit different this week. Uh, we are actually out on Tucker's front porch because it's beautiful out. We got some beers. The weather's beautiful. You might Which hear is some saying per- something for Minnesota. Yeah. We basically only lately. get a couple of yeah. months to get outside. It's been, <laughs> it's, we're maximizing our, our utility. <laughs> So you might hear some birds, you might hear some cars passing by. Hopefully yeah. it's not too distracting, but yeah. we just thought it'd be a nice way to spend an evening. So I have to issue a bit of a mea culpa. <laughs> so last week we recorded a really fun podcast with it our, was fun. our Monaco GP breakdown. Yeah. And and I think maybe what was even more fun to me, Monaco is great, but the um, we talked about the record-breaking auction sale behind the, the 300 SLR hot Coupe. Um, one of two prototype race cars um, that Mercedes built that were never actually raced, sold for I think it was like 142 million at a private auction at the Mercedes Museum in with invitation Germany. only. Invitation only. Ten ten collectors that were vetted by Mercedes and by uh, I think Arm Sotheby's oversaw the auction. But just a really amazing car. Fun discussion and. We got done, and I went to edit the podcast, and I realized I had not actually hit record. <laughs> so, my bad. I kind of, honestly, I told you this. I kind of figured this would happen eventually. Like, yeah, honestly, I would it's just forget. Stunning, and so. I think part of part of the reason that it happened is the I think the bot that we use, Craig, has gotten reliable enough. I know we, that we don't we don't we don't curse his name like. Two minutes cursing his name, trying to get him yeah, in the to chat work. Room. Yeah, no, he's Craig is Craig is so consistent. He's kind of become like um, who is the guy in Office Space with the stapler? He, he's yeah, just yeah, become yeah, a bit. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. become kind of part of the furniture at the podcast, and so he, yeah, he you know we just us. assume he's going to work, um, and uh, he does work when you actually uh, you know hit record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but we can confirm. He is recording. <laughs> he, he came in. He came in to. We we recorded a program called Discord. And he came in and said, "Now recording." Perfect. So we're good to go. This I think time. we're good. So you know, there's no F1 this week. So we figured it actually would be kind of fun. You know, we've talked before about some of the cars that we've we've owned, why we bought them, maybe individually. But um, actually, you know what? I was thinking about this. I don't think I've talked about the Speedster. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll talk about that. Yeah. But um, so you know, but we're we both dream of of having you know a, a car collection one day. Yeah. To to some degree, and and yeah. it got us thinking about like you know the nature of car collecting and how so many people approach it so differently. Some people just buy random stuff that they like. Others buy only from a certain brand. Others want a smattering of different things for specific reasons. Um, and so, you know, Tucker and I, despite both loving a lot of the same cars, yeah, kind of approach it differently. Yeah. So I thought it'd be, you know, we both thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about how we approach it. So like, the Taycan for you was like the dream, you know, you, yeah. you fantasized about that car as soon as you saw the Mission mm-hmm. E debut. And then, since then, you've kind of, you've got the 2002, yeah, and yeah, you've got, yeah, yeah. you know, you've been thinking about some other things. So like, what's been your approach like why you bought what you bought well i think you know historically just kind of growing up as a kid i don't know if i'm kind of a product of the automotive industry but just always thinking ahead thinking forward what's the future what's next you know and you've always been like very 
yeah, techy and, and that tech. you like innovations, yeah, you like oriented stuff. and stuff like that. Like, what are the new what are the new stats? What's it capable of? What are the new engineering techniques that they use that yeah. know, make this a better product than the old one? Right. And I think that's probably what kind of sold me on the Tycon. And I guess maybe in a way, kind of began what will amount to maybe like a small car collection for myself because. Yeah. You know, with the Tycon, I was really just sold on. <clears throat> this is a car company who has a great sports uh, motor racing pedigree, who's going after electrification. Right. And I thought, what a cool cocktail! What right. an interesting. If someone's going to get an electric sports car, sports sedan, right? It should yeah. be Porsche. Yeah. yeah, and get it. You know. Within, like, obviously some of the constraints we've got with, um, you know, battery packs being very heavy. Right. You know, what what type of car are they going to choose to do that with? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it made sense to pick a a grand touring. Right, like a Panamera. Yeah, kind of a luxury sedan. And so I thought to myself, like, this is putting a stake in the ground that this is the first. Right. Of what will presumably be many generations and many different yeah. varieties of electrics for that right. company. And, and some, so at the time I was thinking like, oh, this will be a really fun car to buy and mm-hmm. just a fun experience. I'll get to customize it the way I want since right. I'm ordering it. And then as I've owned it, I've kind of thought more and more about like, maybe this is actually a car to hold on to for a while. Yeah. Because it does have an interesting history right the way i built it is kind of a identical replica to the mission to the concept concept. yeah so that that kind of got me like started yeah in in mine and that it's interesting because a lot of the cars the cars that you've gotten that are kind of like not your temporary daily driver or something like that are are either the start or the end of an era yeah it's interesting right because like as a um you know byproduct of the the pandemic and you know, we we moved out of our, you know, rental place, you know, into mm-hmm. kind of a property that just needs lots of crap. Yeah. And so I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sold on getting a truck at yeah. the time. Right. And so I bought the Alltrack. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was like. The VW Alltrack. Yeah. VW Alltrack and was rocking the manual again. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, right. And then kind of realized at, at a point that. Well, one, we had a ton of equity in the car because of the pandemic. Right, yeah. But then I also kind of realized I actually use I actually do enough stuff that I could use a truck, mm-hmm. like in ways that trucks are meant to be used. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> so. No, I mean you're you're like you you know, for for those of you that don't know, like Tucker does most of like the landscaping and yard work and yeah. all that sort of crap around his house. So I've got a bobcat with ungodly amount of attachments. Yeah. I mean, the, literally the other day in the ramp where we park, I had my truck with a huge stump grinder in the in bed. In the bed, yeah. And there were two 911s in, that were close to me yeah. where I parked, but they parked well away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they knew better. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is well, this Well, I, I joked with you. I said, you know, you, you probably use that little Ford Ranger <laughs> more than most of the dudes. Yeah. Have Raptors well, and stuff around town. Just, just as a funny aside, one of my uh, colleagues uh, caught me with the truck in the ramp. Uh, where I'm employed mm-hmm. with a huge pile of scrap wood. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what the, what the what hell are you, are you doing? doing with that? <laughs> do you really do work here? Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so like 
The, but um, it's funny because I don't think you're really an anomaly because there's a lot of people we work with that have farms around here. Yeah, yeah, that have like hobby farms and working and farms. Stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the the all track got me thinking, and the Tycon together that, and we talked about this. I think when the Tycon was here, and I was waiting for the 2002 to get delivered after buying it, mm-hmm. that I wanted a a Jekyll and Hyde experience. Yeah. The yeah. Tycon is completely digital. Right. It's completely electric. As advanced as it gets. There's there's yeah. really nothing to mod on it, per right. se. Yeah. Um, and the 2002 was completely the opposite. As analog <clears throat> as it could get. As analog as it can get, gauges that don't necessarily work. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, sometimes I regret this, but it's carbureted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a pain in the ass to get it started, unlike the Tycon. Right. It just turns on and I don't even know yeah, it. it turns on, on like your vacuum cleaner. It just works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, and it, and it allows, it's an approachable car. I mean, like I, when I first got it, I basically redid the whole ignition system, trying to hunt down some gremlins that, that were a part of the ignition system, just not what I was chasing. Yeah. And, um, and that was that was fun. It was educational. I got to get my hands dirty. Um, I've got you know projects teed up with the car, with mm-hmm. sorting out some wiring, getting some new headlights put in, you yeah. know, for visibility. Right. And so I think, you know, that kind of colored almost like you know, it's like sometimes you start with something in life and you say, "I'm just going to get this because it's cool." And then you react to it, and mm-hmm. it informs you, like, what are you missing? Like, in your... Because right. I think if I was going to summarize what what I'm going So would for, you have gotten the Tycon... Would you have gotten 2002 if you didn't have the Tycon? I... Th- you know, and part of it, i got to be honest with you, I feel like in the pandemic, a lot of us did the same damn things. Like, a lot We of bought us. shit. We, we bought shit. We searched online. Collector we, cars went through the roof. Right. And I don't know, as a society, what what we were necessarily reacting to. Maybe it was like, I just want a simpler time or I want that part of my life that's gone. And or I'm you have the it. realization that, you know, you're not guaranteed to make it to 80 and you want to have fun now. Yeah. You know? And I think I saw with a Tycon where transportation, at least in kind of privately owned transportation, is heading. Right. And... And I'm in th- I'm enthusiastic about that, but I also kind of bridged both worlds in a way because I grew up with sports cars and, and manual combustion yeah. engines and manuals, and I and I thought I would like a piece of that history so that my kid growing up can have some exposure to that. No, kind of yeah. like it's right. kind of transcendent in a way like the first time i got in the 2002 it just instantaneously reminded me of my grandparents yeah because i was like that's right, right. their car smelled like gas. it smells like <laughs> gas and leather and it's a very like specific feeling yeah i i you know when i sat in it 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 it's a very interesting car because you sit in it and it smells a certain way feels a certain way it's so small yeah because you don't have because you don't have these super (laughs) you don't have these thick like a and c pillars necessarily so like it feels very open and airy um you know a lot unfortunately a lot of things that have made cars yeah worse from a driving enthusiast standpoint are the safety safety. things that we need here that are important and i think that you know to kind of continue the thread 
<clears throat> we've talked about this. We were literally just talking about this. For us, who I don't, I don't have a guy taking care of my collection, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't even know. How I, then my wife's got an X5 hybrid, so we already have four cars. Yeah, right. <laughs> we have to, and a Bobcat right. that we have to deal with. So I think, like you've said, for me and maybe kind of for us, five cars is, is about probably the limit. Yeah. And one of those cars for me is just a very utilitarian truck. And I right. enjoy that. It's an interesting experience. It's just yeah. very different. But I think for what I'm contemplating right now is that my fifth car, what I would like that to be is a modern sports car that does have safety features because I would like to take my wife mm -hmm. loves the 2002, but she'll only go in it occasionally because, yeah. like I've said, you get in a bad accident with that with a Ford Raptor you're or done. something. You're probably it's not small. Walking, you're there's not no airbags. There's yeah. And so your your utilization of that car, at least for my risk tolerance, is yeah. is kind of low. Right. But I love it. I love every minute in it. Right. But it did get me thinking how much. I enjoy the manual mm -hmm. and how much that I think is important to a fully engaged driving experience. Yeah. And the Taycan, it is fun, but it's like, it's fun in a very different way. And it's fun in almost like, to some extent, a sterile way. That's yeah. very futuristic. Right. But you're not I rolling through gas, the gears. Yeah, you're not rolling through the gears. You're not trying to time your shifts. Right. You're not practicing that. You know, getting to know your car. Yeah. Learning like learning the the engagement point of the clutch. I mean, yeah. how big a part of that was any manual you drove? Yeah. Like even if you knew really well how to drive manuals, you get in a new car. <laughs> you're you like, always screw it up the first time because the clutch deep. is so yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that for what I think will probably at least round out in terms of like the the number of cars that i want to have i i would really like a modern day sports car that's a manual and obviously with owning a 2002 and an x5 like i'm a, right. a bmw enthusiast i've owned bmws i learned how to drive on a manual on a bmw mm -hmm. um you know my dad owned one of the first x5s in the country when mm -hmm. when that was a thing like, right. Yeah. Now they're ubiquitous, but back yeah. then, man, we got crazy. A luxury looks in SUV. That car. What the like, hell is that thing? Yeah. Like, what the? Hell yeah. is that? Uh, and so I'm thinking probably uh, an M3 or an M4 to kind of round that out. Mm -hmm. I. It'll be interesting. Obviously, you know, we've had conversations about like what form the M3 should take. Should it be a modern one? Should it? Yeah. So we, you know, that's that's probably still up for a debate. But I think that. For me, that's a car that I grew up with, right? And just had yeah. a poster on the wall, right? With this car, uh, right? It's what I read about when I saw, yeah. oh, in the mall, mm -hmm. oh, there's a car and driver with the M3 on it. I'm buying yeah. that. The issue. M3 was my <clears throat> first realistic dream car before I ever dreamt of having a a Porsche, a Ferrari, a whatever. Yeah, it was like maybe if I work really hard one day, I could get an. At the time, it was an E36 M3. You know, because it was like that. That to me was that's yeah the the, the pinnacle. The pinnacle yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of how I felt. And so I think some of sometimes what you want to collect is informed by what you grew up with or what yeah. you desired. Kind of. I'm convinced, <laughs> but like not to be too tangential, but I'm convinced that we spend at least guys. I I think guy a lot of guys spend 
most of their adulthood just making their 16 year old self happy. Yeah, that's true. Like I, I've, <laughs> I've, got, I've gotten into like, you know, I, I collect shoes, you know, sneakers and, and I do yeah. car stuff. Like all of it is like, what would 16 year old me think was really freaking cool? Man, 16 year old you would think you're a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I, I think they're, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think it is. What were the things that you really were the poster cars that you desired when you were that age. Yeah. And and I mean for our for our parents, for our dads and moms it was, you know, the sixty eight Camaro, sixty nine Camaro, yeah. Shelby G T five hundred, etc. But for our generation, you know, you get into like the eighties exactly. and nineties stuff. Yeah, and you're looking at for a lot of people, uh European yeah. manufacturers, right. Asian manufacturers. Yeah, a lot of the the Japanese the JDM stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing, though, is, like, can the car that you buy today, let's say if you're buying a modern one, does it still have the DNA? Right. And that's kind of what we were just that's talking about yeah. with with the M3 today. It's, I mean, this is a very cliche thing to say, but by now it's probably the size of a, of a 7 Series back when we were yeah. kids and excited about this. Oh, yeah, you get in the 2002, I mean, it's, if we go way back, if you get in a 2002... And then put that next to like a modern day M3. It's, I mean, <laughs> it would literally it looks, fit inside. It's of it. tiny. Yeah, it's, it would literally fit inside. I bet the it. entire length of the 2002 is the width of the passenger compartment. <laughs> it's from probably the M3. Right. So yeah, it has gotten you know, and, like we said, with safety features, all that yeah, sort of stuff. And obviously, big. like you know, car companies evolve. Their philosophies evolve. They kind of are organic just like we are as consumers and and want to create a product that people buy right and and so that's kind of the the real debate then is if you're if you're going to buy a modern day sports car and it's based on what you wanted as a kid or growing up as a as a young individual does that dna still exist right and i think with you know, at least with the M3, the fact that they're still making that in a manual suggests that to some degree it's still there. Right. Because that's, like, not something that makes a lot of sense to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, but its take rate is is reasonably high in yeah. the States. So I think that they... I think the take rate on manuals... I mean, as ma- as manual options have <clears throat> further and further decreased, like, the number of cars you can order as a manual has decreased, the take rate on the ones that still do have a manual option has increased. Yeah. Because there are people that want that experience. And, and, you know, to be completely honest, if the cars that were in existence today were not offered in a manual, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would be interested in them. And that's something yeah. I've been, like, I was trying to convey that to somebody the other day who was asking about that. With, like, with the Taycan and that electric platform, at least in how I'm using it, as basically a Grand Tour, right. some kind of sporting back roads driving. I'm not, I'm not taking it on a track or anything like that. Right. For that use case, I, I do, I feel like it's, it's for me at least, it's, it's just a better experience. It just right. executes that better than yeah. if I was going to go buy a BMW M3 competition mm-hmm. in automatic guise. Right. Because most of the sounds that are coming into that car pumped in anyways. Right, they're all the artificial anyways. Yeah. Which is kind of what the Taycan does. The yeah. Taycan's an absolute animal mm-hmm. on back roads with that torque. So if you're talking about 
kind of like a, a less engaged driving you, experience than a manual. It, it, you'd essentially be filling a similar use case. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. And so if it's money that's of value, I, I have to show up to work mm-hmm. and make my money. I, it doesn't just make more of itself. Right, right, right. <laughs> then it's got to count. Like it's got to go towards something that yeah. I think is going to offer a really something unique need. and different experience. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like that's, that's what kind of where we, we, um, I think have differed in, in what we're, we're chasing is you chase a lot of like, you want each car to be a very unique experience. Yeah, very experiential. Yeah. And I'd say, which is, which is really cool. And I, I don't know that I've heard that philosophy when it comes to like a car collection Our what we're looking to do is not. You know, I don't think either of us envisions having a, a 30 or 40 car collection someday. Like, that's not the goal. So, in your mind, what is your overarching theme of what you're trying to accomplish? Is it the different experiences? Is it within a certain mark, a brand? Yeah, I, I think as a, I think what I'm looking for is a variety of experiences that are paying kind of homage to my interests and and kind of passion, which has always really been kind of European automotive experience. Right, yeah, Audi and then BMW. And I think that's, I you know, I I totally get that. Because those are just the cars that I've grown up with and desired since I've been, right. well, before I can even really remember. Right. And that's kind of like what I, honestly, that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, with my parents, that's just like the cars they that's drove. That's what was around. That's what we yeah. went out to the dealership and test drove. I mean, we te- you know test drove the the Audi TT with my mom. Oh yeah, and just lots of really cool cars over the yeah. years. That it was like, wow, man, these yeah. guys are really making some fun, cool looking stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast. I'll have to talk about it sometime. But the shenanigans my dad and I went through. <laughs> I've told you before I think so, yeah, I about think so, about yeah. just like we would literally just make a day on a weekend of like test driving cars. <laughs> it was so great. I drove a Z06 that way. I drove an, an E36 M3 that way. I drove an E46 M3 That's that awesome, way. That's awesome, man. That's um, the way to do it. But uh, yeah, so I, I've kind of taken a bit of a different tack with like how my approach to one, I'm, I'm with you. I don't want more than five cars. Like it, it becomes a real headache when it comes to. It's almost like a second job. Yeah. You know, when yeah. when are the different tags due for renewal? Which one Wh- needs an oil? Which one change? needs an oil Did change? Did I forget that cho- oil change? Yeah, it just becomes a. Which wheels do I need to swap? When, <laughs> to me, to me, like the car stuff is supposed to be for fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable, and when it becomes like a second job, it's not enjoyable. So that's yeah. that's when I need to downsize. If I if it ever gets to that point, that's yeah, when it's yeah. like something's getting sold. Something's getting sold. <laughs> the nine eleven GT three RS was really. I knew I wanted a dream car, you know, yeah. and and I I had a few different options did, as to what yeah. that dream car was. Yeah, I remember we were talking about that. You know, I remember going to Boardwalk Ferrari in Dallas. Yeah, and yeah. seeing a an F four thirty Scuderia, and just black Nero black with silver stripes, and thinking. Like, like that is the dream and you know and then that car had technology that didn't particularly age well it was a single clutch automatic transmission not automatic but like paddle shift but single clutch so it was very yeah not smooth very jerky so if they had offered that as a manual i still might have pursued that um but that wasn't an option and so i started looking at 
what was available now uh, as a modern you know example of a of a dream car and you know, I've talked before about kind of why I ended up with that you know it was it you know from everything I'd heard you know pretty much bulletproof that engine is one of the greatest in trunk combustion engines ever made I I drove you guys can't see it obviously yeah, but it's yeah, sitting it's in Tucker's driveway right now yeah. I drove it over here tonight <laughs> looks great um and it's it still makes one of the best sounds I've ever heard come out of a car. Yeah. Maybe not at low RPM, but when you when you are above forty five hundred RPM, it's one of the it is a transcendent experience yeah. in a car. And and so I love it. I, I I was talking to to Tucker and his wife Steph before we started recording. I said, you know, I don't I hope I'm driving it when I'm seventy five. Yeah. I have no intention of ever selling that car. You know, if, as long as there's people around to work on it, you know, when I'm 75, then I'm, I'm, I want to yeah. own it. Um, and and so we've we've got that. I've got you know a, a daily driver, my BM, my BMW 335i, which is, is the perfect so, daily yeah, driver. It's, it's manual. It's great. It's manual. You've been rocking four that door for seven years, and and it's good. got. I think a lot of years left in it. It's only got. 40, I will say, 8, I will give miles. myself a shout out. You talked me into it. You talked me into it. Yeah. I, did, I, did I tell that story? I can't recall if it. So briefly, I, I, had, a, I had a 2011 STI, Super which STI. Which was a sweet. That was a killer Which car, was great. Man. Tucker got a, a 335i uh, yeah, yeah. from our local BMW dealer. And I went in. Was it the day you got it? Yeah. The day you collected it? So yeah, yeah. I went in with you and your, your drug dealer, yeah, James. James. <laughs> who's I'm still working on. He still works there. He's, he's the sales manager there, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, uh, he, he basically said, what would it take, yeah, what would it take <laughs> to get you in one? Uh, and I said, if you can find this one X-Drive in a manual, uh, I'll buy it. And there were three in the country. Yeah, that's one right. One was in Alaska, so that wasn't really an option. There was a silver one in Colorado Springs and an Estoril blue one in Daytona Beach, Florida. And that was the one. Yeah. That I bought we got and they shipped here, it up yeah. here, and I I still love it. It's it's yeah. it's a great sports yeah. sedan. I would you know I talked about putting down some money on a GR Corolla, and I think that that could eventually replace it. Um, we'll just see what the timing is on that. But you know that car is is a wonderful example yeah. of what I what I want in a daily driver. It's engaging when I want to be engaging, but it's kind of mindless when I'm just going to and from the yeah. office. Yeah. Um, we have my wife's XC90. So those aren't really collector yeah, cars. Yeah, so, yeah. so like, you know, but we've recently, and I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but we, um, back in January, when we were, my wife and I were in Maui, um, I rented, there was a really cool company out on the island that rented Porsche Speeds to Replicas, 356 Speeds to Replicas. There's a few companies that make them, um, most there's more than a few, but there's only two or three companies that make good replicas yeah. of them that you would actually want to drive and not worry about them falling apart. And I drove this thing, and it was it was the most pure driving experience in terms of it's just a steering wheel, a manual transmission, sound of the engine, yeah, convertible, so you know the roof's yeah. off, and and it was just amazing and part of it is the surroundings you're driving in maui yeah, yeah it's yeah. beautiful you know but the experience was so fun and the 
people's reaction to it, like oh, God, universally, know. just oh, that's yeah. so neat. You know, there, there's it's nothing like no one's looking at you like oh, what what douche is driving this. It's yeah, everyone. Yeah, it's just a beautiful, yeah. fun. It's like classic that thing straight out of the movie. Yeah, it's a whimsical <laughs> Kelly McGillis drove one yeah, in Top exactly, Gun. Yeah. Her, her, so that one was actually a replica made by Inner Mechanica, which is they've been making replicas for a long time. But so I took it back to the hotel and picked my wife up. We went off her driving it, and we had been talking about getting her a fun car of some kind for a while since I obviously have my fun car. And she was like, "Why don't we get one of these?" And I said, why don't we get one of these? That's and awesome. so we we called the company up that that we wanted to go with that makes them called Vintage Motor Cars in uh, Hawaiian Gardens, California. And we put down our deposit on one. Um, and you basically get to build it how you want. Uh, you, you have a choice of two different carbureted engines or a, or a fuel injection, water-cooled Subaru engine. Uh, you get to pick the color. You get to pick the interior upholstery, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we got to basically build this thing exactly how we want it. We picked a classic Porsche color, Meisen yeah. Blue, which is this kind of like hazy blue. Yeah, um, my awesome. wife wanted some sort of pastel type yeah. color, and I thought it was cool to go with a historic Porsche color. It was one of the few colors that was available on the on the original Speedster, yeah. um, which I thought was cool. Um, so that's going to be our fourth car. Is, is I mean, that is choice. as analog <laughs> as, yeah, like as it gets. It's like yeah, the 2002. Right, and that's... Yeah. And, with the same drawbacks, safety equipment, yeah. basically yeah. non-existent aside from lap belts. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be the kind of car that we're going to be, you know, if we go, when we go out in it, we're going to go down to the yeah, local shops or yeah. local coffee shop or, or take it out in the country, but we're not going to be going on highways and stuff with yeah. it. Like, that's not what it's for. And then the last car I've mentioned on here before, but the last car I'm interested in getting is um, a Skyline GTR, and and where prices have have gone on those, yeah, uh, is pretty much going to necessitate me getting um, a uh, an R32, which is the original, not technically the original, but of the modern GTRs, it's it's the oldest one, um, but it's the one that also won all the races. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Japanese touring car championships and has a, a lot of really cool history. And for me, the way I've looked at it is filling niches, you know. And so I wanted a dream car. I got the dream car. We wanted a fun car for my wife. We're getting a fun car for my wife. And that last spot was really what was the dream car yeah. that, that 15, 16-year-old yeah, me grew up with. Sorry. Wanted, desired, and couldn't have because the Skyline was not legal. It wasn't available. It wasn't available in the U.S. US. Um, and so that really, and and it, you know, I got into European cars and G, and Japanese cars, JDM cars, Japanese domestic market cars, really heavily when I was a teenager. I couldn't afford the M3, but I could think about a Honda Civic and modifying yeah, exactly. it. I could think about a, an Acura Integra and modifying it, which, you know, I had one. And I've always loved the Japanese modification scene. Yeah, like, yeah, I, ne- yeah, yeah. I never had any intention, if I ever got an M3 or a Porsche or whatever, yeah. I never had any intention of modifying it. The entire idea behind a lot of the JDM cars was, like, a Honda Civic from the factory is not fast. Yeah, you have to blank, modify it. It's a blank canvas. It's a blank canvas. And and so the whole point is to modify it. And so I've got my stock fast dream car. I want the car that 
I can do all the modifications. I can get all the parts from the main, yeah. from the tuning shops. All the stuff I dreamed of. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, as a kid. As a kid, I remember putting together build sheets as a kid, like That's 16, awesome. 17. Like, if I could buy this car, like, if I could buy a Toyota Supra, yeah, here's what I, I would used, do to it. Yeah. If I could buy a Skyline, here's what I, I would do I used to, to do that with the Mitsubishi 3000 GT. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, <laughs> I love that And car. so the idea... <laughs> The idea of being able to buy a car from that era, from that generation that's still, I think, you know, we talked about this, we were talking about the E46 M3 before we started recording. I think that era, the late 80s, early 90s, and the E46 was after that a little bit, but by that era, you had modern safety equipment. You had airbags, you had anti-like brake systems, you you had stuff so that if you got in an accident, you had a pretty good chance, chance to survive. Yeah, walking away from walking it. Walking away from it. And so it's it's as analog as you can get while still having yeah, modern yeah, safety having stuff, which features. is important to me because I want to use the car. And there, but like 16 year old me is like, how freaking cool would that be to get that car and then just do everything you wanted to? <laughs> I know. Um, and so, you know, that I wouldn't be buying it as like a collector's item to shrink wrap and put in the garage. Yeah. And it's all original. Like yeah. I, the, the whole point thing. of that car is yeah. not to be original. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you know, it's a use case thing, but it also is like those are the niches. And and my wife's kind of joked with me. She's like, "You're not stopping at five. I said, yeah. "I said, well, well I'll tell you what, for you many, start to run out of storage. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be heavily relying on your good graces. Um, but I I think that you know, for me, I I just don't. Whereas you pursue multiple like new um, experiences with cars, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was joking. Like, I'm kind of a rut person. I'm happy in my rut. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to yeah, get yeah. the cars that I have loved and lusted after, or you know, since I got into cars, probably when I was, I don't know, ten. I, I, I mean, yeah, it yeah, goes yeah. back as long as I can remember. Yeah. And once <clears throat> I've gotten those cars, I'm happy. I'm upset. You know, like then it's just replacing daily drivers as they need to be replaced. Yeah. So for me, it's very much about just I've got the European car now. I yeah. want that Japanese car that pays homage to yeah, that scene yeah, that I've. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah you have. I mean, honestly, even talked about this for years. I know. I know. My, I had a, I had a trunk. It was actually a Ninja Turtles trunk uh, that I kept a lot of magazines in. It was like Game Pros and Game yeah, Informers oh, yeah, and stuff. Oh, yeah. But also. <laughs> It was, you know, once I got to 15, 16, 17, it was Super Street, uh, Import yeah. Tuner, you know, yeah. those sort of car- import magazines. And I'm sure they're still all at my parents' house. But um, <laughs> I, I, I love that culture, and, and I would love to have a piece of that. Yeah. It's something unique, and, and you know, is pe- when people see it, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, is that, you know, what I think it is? Well, and, and some of this is, like, kind of preserving a little bit of that is, you know, we had an episode not long ago where we talked about, you know, is it the end of the modding scene? Like, right, oh, right, yeah, with the, the tuition stuff, yeah, stuff. with Cobb, yeah. Yeah, and so I think part of it is kind of like keeping that you're, in a way, kind of what I'm doing with the 2002 and, and, to, and what you're doing with the Speedster. It's like a piece of automotive history. Right, because it is like that is like a fundamental, um, you know, the the ability to take 
the blank canvas and make it what you will as yeah. a kind of reflection of you as an individual right. is something that certainly seemed to become very much embraced in that scene yeah. and, and carried into, you know, to some extent. Well, um, that, and that's something that is, I think, it, inherent in the DNA of automobiles. When there was, when we go back to the teens and 20s, you know, you would buy a car and then you take it to a coach builder to put the, to craft the body that you yeah. want on the car. You know, Ford, with the Model T, had literally thousands of modifications you could do depending on what you wanted. Did you want it to be an off-road vehicle? Did you want it to race? Um, so from the very beginning, yeah. modification was part of the scene, and now we've come to more and more homogenized yeah. cars, and we're also coming to cars that are getting you know, more and more difficult to modify because they're so heavily based on the software yeah. in them and whatnot. And um, all that's proprietary and, all and it's, it's hard to get into. Right. And so I, I love the idea of having something that predates yeah, 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 that yeah, sort yeah. of modern <laughs> idea of like, oh, you can't, you can't log into our software. You, you, you can, can't mess with it. You can modify it, but it's with our parts and our software. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of having cars that you know, are a little bit, they're a little bit dinosaurs in that way, but they're in a good way, you know, and... Yeah, and you still benefit from a lot of, like, the safety features and exactly. things like that. Because that's, it is something that you kind of realize when you, you, you own a car, like a 2002 or the, the, the Speedster, you know, it's just, it's application and use case is maybe a little bit more restricted, I think, than probably what I realize when i mean you, you know when i got it yeah well and and i remember i remember calling you up probably the day before i decided to pull the trigger on it and we mm -hmm. talked a lot about this kind of at i remember Austin, that day about yeah. like you know is this is this just bananas like right is it you know with the hummer evs being out there they can go zero to 60 like am i just asking yeah. to get some nine thousand pound car piles <laughs> into your 2200 pound 2002. We're, we're done yeah and i think that the, the truth is that you know it is an experiential um it's kind of like keeping history alive and being able to participate in that history. it is and because every time you drive that out and some little kid sees it Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I and it's it's just They're so fascinating, about, yeah, to get the just the variety of like comments and interactions. Like the Tycon mm -hmm. gets a very broad approval and right. commentary from all sorts of people, honestly. Yeah, and but the 2002 almost gets just as many, if not more. Yeah, and it's just odd times. I'll be driving down the <laughs> road. Mm -hmm. I remember one lady just shouted at the top of her lungs. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. From her stoop in her house. Yeah. Like, just like, yeah. it triggered something for her. Like, yeah. it re remembered. Maybe it was an old boyfriend in college, you yeah. know. And the, it's, it's, something that I, it. it's something that I've heard people talk about with some people really have a negative reaction to, to replicas of, of cars like a Speedster, like, you know, like a, a Shelby Cobra. Yeah. Um, but the argument I've heard for them is, you know, those cars. The, the Shelby more than the Speedster, but still a, a real Speedster that's yeah. in good shape is a four hundred thousand dollars yeah. car. Yeah, it's interesting so you say that. People don't drive them. Yeah, exactly. And and this is a way that people can see this classic shape, classic yeah. car. And, and okay, they now they want to learn about it. You know, a kid wants sees that and they say, 
Gosh, what is that? Oh, it's a BMW 2002. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I think we've talked a little bit about uh, you know maybe getting into this in another episode, and, and and maybe maybe we should because it'd be it'd be an interesting just um, to kind of run through mm-hmm. what owning and buying. Oh yeah, a 2002 is like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, I still haven't know. heard of some of the bills. Yeah, no, <laughs> there was don't know some were pending last are. I heard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I need to get that resolved this yeah. week. There are there but, are downsides uh, to, yeah, to, so, to it as well. You know, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that's fun with the 2002 at least is that it's a simple enough car mm-hmm. that it is still reasonably approachable 50 years later, even though it is getting harder to find some of the parts and things. You know, yeah. the, probably... And the people to work on it, like... <clears throat> Like, young yeah. mechanics may not know how to work on carbureted cars as well. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? exactly. And, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of one of those things where these cars eventually end mm-hmm. up in a museum. Probably right. because there's no one left to work on them. Because those yeah. people are also in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> in some kind of care facility there was, or six feet underground. So, it's funny you mention that because there was a um, Citroen, and I forget if it was the 2CV... It, or the DS, I think it may have been the DS. Anyways, supposedly there was there, there was the, the suspension system was super advanced at the time. Okay, this is like in okay. the seventies. But in recent times, you know, it's such a specific car. Apparently, there was one mechanic in the U.S. that <laughs> everyone that owned a DS, this is who you use. Well, he passed away, and the, the prices of DSs plummeted. Mm. God, because yeah. because everyone now knew there's no one that knows how to work on these. Well, and that's something that, you know, we've talked a lot about. And I, I think that the reality of keeping some of these cars alive, mm-hmm. as some of these people retire and don't want to have anything to do with it after working on them for 50 years, right. is either a replica mm-hmm. in some form or mm-hmm. electrification. Right. And those shops are growing in popularity they have wait lists um you know right now one of the things that you know i've I've had the 2002 for probably well probably approaching about a year now and i mean it's it's even after getting it needed a lot of sorting and this was a car that was pretty pretty well well sorted sorted. right like full restoration engine rebuilds i think it's probably at the point now where I'll feel a little bit more comfortable, like, mm-hmm. you know, driving it around. But at least my starting point is it's a point A to point A car. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, there's theater in getting it started. Yeah. And there, it's not impossible to flood the engine. Mm-hmm. And then you're pulling spark plugs to air it out, or you're just patiently waiting for that gas to evaporate. Right. And so... There's there's something about wanting to keep the the heritage and the the car on the road driving. Yeah. Where I think there's a a group of people that either locally because hey you know we don't live in yeah you know the metro of two thousand twos in California right where it's like I just really want to go out and drive the car and I don't right. want to have to think about do I need to hunt down some you know thread for the carburetor mm-hmm. from a guy in Italy that's the only guy that makes replicas anymore. Right, yeah. And and so I think that there is there is probably a point where 
I mean, this car has already rocked its life for 50 years. I mean, it's been rocking it for 50 yeah, years. Yeah, right, like, right. I'm going to try to keep it going as long as humanly possible yeah. within the, the means of my budget. Yeah. <laughs> so here, keep it as an internal combustion yeah. engine. But I do think that if that car is going to go to, like, my retirement age, mm-hmm. and I know this is blasphemy, mm-hmm. but it, it wouldn't shock me if it's some someday I have to yeah, electrify it. Is, is it because... Yeah. Because let's be honest, the 2002 Ti, that's not mm-hmm. a fuel, I don't have a fuel injected one. It's right. the sports version from Europe. Yeah. Never came to the States yeah. because it didn't meet emissions requirements. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm telling you, that's back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. and so, when you get in and it smells like fuel, it's probably. So it would not shock me. So here, if some yeah. restrictions are put yeah. on these cars, and like, yeah. I, I don't know what the hell that would be. And you're not I don't know how it would work. Yeah, but but hey, you know the get around is you could electrify yours. And right, it's like, I mean, yeah, talk about blasphemy. Yeah, well, and some <clears throat> some manufacturers are even they're embracing their oh, heritage yeah. and yeah. they're so Nissan. I know this since I'm interested in the GTR. Nissan is building new parts for their old GTRs. Oh, so Good if you if you need a new uh, RB26 engine for your R32 Skyline. You can buy it straight from Nissan. That's pretty sweet, man. So <laughs> I, I think I think as more companies yeah. embrace their heritage and say, we know we're going to have to go EV, but we built our legacies yeah. on these cars. We we're not going to be able to build any more of them because of emissions regulations, climate change, the impact that's having, obviously, but. We're going to try and keep the flame alive among enthusiasts yeah. for these cars yeah, in, gonna, in whatever way we can. Yeah, we're going to keep the heritage alive. Yeah. And I think to some extent that is a piece of what I think both our car collections are trying to do. reflect yeah. a little bit. It's kind of like keeping that heritage alive, keeping mm-hmm. it breathing, because you know we were enthusiasts and for better or worse we're we're dumb enough to throw yeah as much and of our budgets them. yeah <laughs> and actually drive them yeah. and actually drive them i don't know that it's a smart financial decision but it makes it's a hell of a lot of fun <laughs> yeah well i think that's going to do it for this week guys um thank you all so much for listening again sorry about the podcast last week it was the greatest show we've ever done <laughs> you know you just missed out uh but we'll be back next week i think uh gosh what is it azerbaijan yeah is it baku so. next yeah. week so uh, we'll have a race next week uh, that we'll be chatting about. Um, and until then, we'll uh, see you next week.